Hello and welcome to the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and it is a cold and wintry day here, Sunday the 5th of June 2022. I hope it's warm wherever you are and if it's not warm, I hope you're rugged up and staying warm. I want to start today's episode with a couple of pieces of very good news. The Labor government is moving quickly to address some of the damage done by a decade of Tory misrule. And the cashless debit card has been scrapped. That's right. The Labor government has announced that the cashless debit card will be discontinued. And this comes on the back of an Australian National Audit Office report that shows $170 million was spent implementing the card for no benefit. That's right. The Morrison government wasted $170 million of our money forcing people onto a cashless debit card that gave no benefit, no benefit. It's a remarkable waste of money, an ideological waste of money that punished some of our most vulnerable people. And there are hundreds of thousands of Australians who are relieved that they will not be put on the card, or if they were on the card, will come off the card. Of course, we know that initially the cashless debit card was a primarily racist tool used in Indigenous communities. And it is fitting that at the end of National Reconciliation Week, this announcement has been made. Because of course, on Friday, we had Mabo Day, the day where the High Court finally struck out the idea that there were no people on Australia when Captain Cook first set foot on this land. We know, of course, that the First Nations Australians were on this land for tens of thousands of years, if not longer, before Captain Cook. And the Mabo decision is a key point in our nation's journey towards reconciliation and truth. So it is fitting that the cashless debit card, one of the more racist elements of the Morrison government's political ideological agenda, has been removed, removed as government policy. And as a result, many hundreds of thousands of people either on the card or under threat of going on the card. We all saw during the election campaign that Anne Rustin and Scott Morrison, if they had one power, wanted to put more and more and more Australians onto the card, turning it from a race-driven uh, race-driven policy to a class-driven policy that also had race racial undertones. An incredibly destructive thing. $170 million wasted just to punish people who were already, already being punished by the structures and systems put in place by the Morrison government and, to some degree, governments that came before them. Well, Labor is undoing that damage and, of course, is going even further. Bill Shorten, the Minister for Government Services, has announced that the outsourced, privatised call centres that currently plague Centrelink, that currently plague Services Australia, that are a bane in the lives of any Australians who require the assistance of their own government, who often end up waiting hours, in some cases days, for actual help to actually talk to a person, those call centres have had their contracts cancelled. That's right, cancelled. This means that those jobs will go back into the public sector. Proper jobs, proper job security, proper wages, proper service levels. No more profiteering, no more driving down service, no more putting Australians last. 
Incredibly good news. Fantastic achievement by Bill Shorten and the Labor government. And we're going to see more and more of these positive, positive news stories. I will talk about the minimum wage shortly because I want to talk about it in the context of the economic figures that have come out this week, because there has been a lot of discussion about the economy, energy prices, and a number of other issues. But first, what weekend wrap would be complete without a brief look at the ABC's flagship political talk show, Insiders? And once again, we're left with a somewhat bitter taste in our mouths, having listened to Insiders. David Littleproud, the leader of the National Party, the newly minted leader of the National Party, was the guest on the show. David Littleproud has no regrets, no regrets of his decade in government, most of which he served as a senior minister, as a cabinet minister, and he now blames Labor for the energy crisis which is gripping much of the country. He seems to think that all Labor need do is pick up the phone and talk to the gas company CEOs and have them supply more gas. David Spears, to his credit, pointed out that, in fact, Madeleine King, the Minister for Resources, has done this, has called the CEOs, and the CEOs have been open and honest about that. But David Littleproud continued to bang the drum, trying to pretend as though Labor wasn't doing all that was available for it to do. Of course, the issue that David Littleproud refuses to acknowledge, refused to talk about, is that we produce four times as much gas as we use in this country. The issue here is not about production. The issue here is about export. And Australian gas is exported to the world at an inflated price to help multinational corporations shareholders in foreign companies and corporate executives reap massive windfall profits, huge profits being generated from our gas. These are companies that a recent Australian Institute study found have paid little to no corporate tax. Companies with massive profits, billions. One number I saw said $6 billion in additional profit will be made as a result of the quote-unquote gas crisis. This is market manipulation. This is profiteering. And David Littleproud and his little gang of liberal national rumps are absolutely responsible for this. And of course, it comes on the back of Peter Dutton preparing to announce his shadow cabinet. Insiders talked about Peter Dutton and, in fact, how Peter Dutton doesn't seem to have learned any of the lessons of the election whatsoever. David Littleproud continued to push that, yes, there needs to be action on climate change, but the Liberal Nationals had a policy on climate change, so that's not why people voted against them. Peter Dutton, of course, has gone out and attacked and attacked teachers, attacked maritime workers, attacked miners, attacked climate change, has attacked inner city voters, quote unquote. And now his shadow cabinet, he looks set to put Angus Taylor as shadow treasurer. Angus Taylor, who is, of course, under so many dark clouds that you run out of superlatives to describe them. There's Watergate and Grassgate and Clover Moorgate. Angus Taylor being put in charge of treasury is literally 
putting the fox in charge of the hens. It's putting the burglars in charge of the vault. I cannot imagine a worse fit. But then you've got people like Jane Hume being put in charge of finance. Jane Hume, who was Minister for Superannuation, the same minister who systematically attempted to destroy superannuation, first with an early release scheme during the pandemic, making Australians fund our own pandemic response from our retirements, rather than have the government, as most countries did, have the government step in and assist. Jane Hume was the architect of making Australians fund our pandemic response from our retirement savings. She's now going to be in charge of shadow finance portfolio. Sarah Henderson is going to be in charge of communications. Sarah Henderson, who of course famously lost the seat of Karangamite because of the way she communicated with people, will now be in charge of communications. Dan Tehan will be in charge of defence and there will be senior roles for Michaela Cash. One imagines she may well keep the Shadow Attorney General position. Of course, Michaelia Cash, most famous for hiding behind a whiteboard after failing to cooperate with an AFP investigation, clearly the sort of person who should be our nation's first law officer. Alan Tudge is likely to be returned or perhaps just continue as a senior cabinet, shadow cabinet minister. It's hard to tell what Alan Tudge's job really was for the last six months other than collecting a fat paycheck and campaigning in his own seat while he was under investigation for all kinds of uh, malfeasance and poor behaviour. Fletcher will also be returning, uh, as will Anne Rustin, our good friend Anne Rustin, who, of course, wants the cashless debit card rolled out to even more Australians. We expect that Dutton's shadow cabinet will be announced in full later today, and we will break it down on the week on Wednesday with Van Batam and myself on Wednesday, because there will be lots to talk about at that point. But of course, the Shadow Cabinet is a pale reflection of what's left of the Morrison government. The real legacy of the Morrison government is being lived every day by all the Australians who they left behind. Dutton likes to talk about Australians left behind, Australians who are ignored, quiet Australians, and yet Dutton and Little Proud, who claim that they are more representative of working people than the Labor Party, despite having almost 50% less parliamentary seats, have absolutely left Australians behind. The Morrison government, the legacy of the Morrison government, is that profits are higher than they have ever been. As a proportion of GDP, that is, as a proportion of all the things that our economy entails, profits make up more of the economy than ever before. More of our money goes to profits. Wages the money that goes into the pockets of everyday working Australians are the lowest they have ever been, the lowest on record. So low, so low, that in actual fact, wages are now 
helping lower the rate of inflation. Numbers came out this week from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. These are publicly available. You can look them up at abs.gov.au. And the Australian Union movement has made this point quite clearly, that wages have been going backwards in this country and are now the real unit labour cost, that is what it costs to employ somebody, has declined 2.7%. So even though inflation is up 5.1%, even though the cost of everything is up, wages are actually bringing down inflation. Now, this week we saw for the first time in a very long time the Commonwealth Government, led by Anthony Albanese, write to the Fair Work Commission and say that the minimum wage should increase by no less than the rate of inflation. This was a huge move and one that the union movement has campaigned for for a long time. And you can join your union right now, australianunions.org.au slash wow. That's australianunions.org.au slash wow, W-O-W, to join your union because there is so much going on in the wages space at the moment. Obviously, unions campaigned to try and get more of our gas reserved here. They'll continue to work with the government to try and get more gas into our own system here to get renewables going as well. But of course, we need that energy now. But on wages, we're going to have, hopefully, a minimum wage increase that is no less than the rate of inflation because profits are up. Profits are up massively. In the non-mining sector, profits are up 22.1%. Wages, only up 7 Now, that's in the non-mining sector, okay? So that's in things where you do manufacturing or hospitality or accommodation, uh, in health services, in education services. Now, in the mining sector, where there is a commodity boom where those gas prices are being absolutely profiteered off, profits are up 78.1%. 78.1%. That's almost six times what wage growth is in that sector. So when people talk about, oh, we can't put up wages because it'll increase inflation, well, that's not true. It's fundamentally not true. Wages are currently dragging down inflation because they're going down 2.7%. Profits are up massively. They're a record part of the economy. They are up six times, almost six times what wages are in mining alone. Now, when you add them all together, when you add the non-mining and the mining sectors together, you go, well, you know, these things are balanced out, maybe because mining's not so big. But let's be clear, the all-wages average goes up by one percentage point, one percentage point when you add mining to non-mining. But profits more than double. They more than double. The profiteering in this country is coming from the mining sector. It's coming from those very gas companies that David Littleproud so proudly defended on Insiders today. It is obscene, obscene for any political leaders to suggest that somehow or another corporations that are 
gouging huge profits out of our natural resources should somehow or another be treated and as though they're princes and somehow with kid gloves. They should be made to provide the natural resources that we need for our own country. And let's be clear, other countries are doing this right now. All around the world, inflation is an issue. There's no question, to varying degrees in varying places. So much so that in some parts of the developing world, there is concerns about famine and possible starvation. And on that theme, Malaysia has decided to ban the export of live chickens to Singapore. Singapore imports a huge amount of live chicken from Malaysia because one of Singapore's national dishes is a chicken-based dish. Malaysia has stopped those exports. Why? Because its domestic market, its own citizens, will require that chicken. Here in Australia, we've had a decade of Morrison misrule, of liberal misrule, of Dunn misrule, where we have sent our gas overseas, sent our resources overseas, and now we need it here. We need it here. Those corporations have massive profits on the back of the hard work of Australian workers. They haven't shared the wealth in the form of wage increases, and now they're trying to drive up our own prices just to stay warm in winter. It is outrageous. And for David Littleproud and for Peter Dutton to go, somehow or another, this is Labor's fault. Labor's only been in government for two weeks. They were there for a decade. There's a lot of work on for Labor, and they're getting through it. As I've already said, cashless debit card, gone. Outsourced Centrelink call centres, scrapped. We've seen minimum wage increase letter, written, sent, lodged. We've seen the quad. We've seen the family from Biloela returning home. There's lots of positive things going on. But some of these structural issues, some of these structural issues that the likes of Angus Taylor were so keen on putting in place when they were ministers are going to take a lot longer to unstitch. You can't just flick a switch and take control of the entire gas infrastructure of the country. Once you've built it and handed it over, it's the legal property of someone else. And that's the problem. That's the problem. Morrison poured billions of our dollars into private corporations and now they're reaping the profits while we are paying the costs. We should be very, very clear that Australians are paying a huge, huge price, not just in terms of lower wages, not just in terms of higher energy costs, but people are eating through their savings. And you see economists go, oh, it's okay, Australians have some of the highest saving rates we've had for a very, very long time. And maybe that's true, but the saving rate has dropped from 13% down to 11%. That's a big drop, a big drop for one quarter. But the more telling factor is when you get underneath the headline figures, because a full half of all savings in this country are held by 1% of the population. Half of all savings held by the richest 1%. So this idea that somehow or another, middle Australia, working people, people who are relying on government support because of the circumstances in which they find themselves are going to be able to rely on their savings is a lie. It is 
a lie. And any economist, any real economist who's bothered to do any work in this space will be able to tell you that it's a lie. Because under the surface, under that headline figure of 11% of, say, 11% of the money in the economy is being saved, and isn't that great? Under that headline is a reality that tells us a very different story. It tells us that a full half of all savings are held by the richest 1%, and nearly three quarters of all savings are held by the wealthiest 25%. That means that the lowest income households have almost no savings whatsoever. And in fact, many people, maybe some people even listening to me right now, will have no savings. This is why it's so important that Labor moves quickly on so much of its agenda. It's why it's so important that people continue to join their union. One of the big issues around wages and getting wages moving is public sector wage caps. And I want to talk about this very briefly because there is currently a summit today, right now, going on in New South Wales where 130,000 essential workers and public sector workers have been on or are going on strike in the state of New South Wales. That's because the average public sector worker in New South Wales is worse off by over $6,100 a year as a result of the wage caps. Now, the union movement has called this summit. Unions around the state of New South Wales are working, are doing doing what's needed, are taking the actions to try and get wages moving. And of course, as I said before, you can join your union right now, australianunions.org.au slash wow. That's the address to go to. It'll put you in the union that's right for you and your industry. So important time to join. The Australian unions have got a new ad out as well. You'll see that on some of our social media. It really highlights how important because when the boss is making profit and you go in by yourself to ask for a pay rise, it's easy for them to say no. But when we go in together, when we stand together, when we say this is unacceptable, your profits are up 78%. Our wages have gone backwards 2.7. This is unfair. We won't stand for it. You must raise wages. When we stand together and make that demand, we have the opportunity to raise wages. And that's what they're doing in New South Wales. Right now, as I speak, they are meeting, they are sorting out the strategy, they are getting ready to take action, they are learning the lessons from the actions they've already taken, and they're going to be taking it up to the New South Wales government. Because public sector workers, the essential workers who kept us going during the pandemic, the essential workers who keep our country running day in, day out, deserve a proper pay rise. 130,000 people just in the state of New South Wales who are worse off by over $6,000 a year as a result of wage policy of the New South Wales government. Has to change. It can change and it will change if people join their union, if we stand strong together and we make the proper, proper demand to be treated with respect that we deserve. And I want to end on this. While Peter Dutton is out there attacking workers, attacking teachers, 
making the very obvious claim that labor is dominated by the unions, we should always remember that the Liberal Party exists purely to keep labor out of power. The history of our country is one where labor, the organized movement of labor, formed a political party to represent the political interests of working people, and that that party, that first political party, came to power and started to put in place the mechanisms, the infrastructure, the systems that allowed Australia to be a high-wage, secure-work country. And the reaction to that was a plethora of right-wing parties, a plethora of conservatives, a plethora of free traders who are happy to sell our things overseas and not provide the money back to Australia. And eventually they formed up under Menzies into one block. And for a little while, that block has had some success, quite a lot of success under Menzies, and then on and off over the years. Dutton is not Menzies. Dutton is an ultra-conservative, right-wing, ideological, ideological, economic vandal. And he's only going to try and consolidate an anti-Labor sentiment. That's what he'll do. We're seeing it already. So it's important that we support positive moves that improve the lives of everyday Australians. That's what I'm so happy to see as we come to the end of the weekend wrap for this week. Don't forget to tune in on Wednesday. Van and I will be uh, remote again, but we look forward to talking with you then. And of course, if you want to help support the week on Wednesday, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash week on Wednesday. That's buymeacoffee.com slash week on Wednesday. We have so many great supporters. It's allowed us to grow. We had nearly 50,000 downloads in the month of May. Here's hoping we crack that mark in the month of June. Until next Wednesday, be kind to yourself and to each other.